If you want this podcast free of ads, follow us now on patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. indicators who knows where this is going to end up to understand the economy you have to understand human nature this podcast is powered by Acast how are you it's it's podcast time you know the drill we try to make economics that little bit more comprehensible digestible and hopefully sexy Sexy, John. Yeah, we do. We try yeah. to make it sexy. How do we make it sexy? How do we make it sexy? Anyway, how are you, Head? I'm good. I'm good. good. I'm good. good. So, John, on Tuesday we talked about what is crypto, what is Bitcoin, with yep. Donald O'Mahony, the guy who many people believe is, was at the epicenter mm-hmm. of the whole yeah. thing in the beginning. And the response, well, the response yeah. has been fascinating, which is why we're going to do it again th- today. But the response is very much driven, I can see, by people who believe. Hold on a second. The stuff that you like, David. The MMT stuff, the expanding the central bank balance sheet, Mm. the government spending money can only be inflationary in the long term. And therefore, which actually I don't subscribe to, but that's neither here nor there. But therefore, Bitcoin and crypto is a legitimate response to a fear of inflation. So, I mean, before we talk about anything, let's say that that is the essence of the crypto argument in economics that the arguments that people like myself make and then to a degree Megan Green and you know Stephanie Kelton all those people mm. they regard as having within its own ideology if it is an ideology the seeds of its destruction which are going to be hyperinflation right. and therefore what these guys say is we're ahead of the game we're miles ahead of the game because we are buying an asset now that will protect us in the long term right so just like to to give, I mean, because there's a lot of skepticism about crypto, and yet the Bitcoiners, I feel, sometimes don't get a fair crack of the whip in articulating their view. And uh, so just we'll, we'll, we'll go there. But what we're going to do now on the crypto issue is we're going to, going to talk to Katie Martin, who yep. is the markets editor of the FT, an old friend, a complete hoot from the north of England. It's like all, it's like all our mates are from the north of England. Have you noticed <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, we've had quite a few recently, Yeah, actually. we don't have that many from the south. We've from the north. <laughs> anyway, let's go into Sunderland or Clacton-on-Sea or wherever she is and talk to Katie. Katie Martin, we were talking about great, just all fair, Katie and I were talking about great resorts on the east coast. <laughs> Beach resorts on the east coast of England. All the way up, all the way up to Northumberland. Classic place. How are you? I'm fine. 
So, Katie, what I've been doing is I've been I've I've been watching your market comments on Bitcoin, the price going up and down. But what's interesting is if you look at the comments pages in the FT, mm. they really light up when you talk about Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. What's going? What, what's the yeah. story there? There's, uh, something happens when you write about Bitcoin or write about cryptocurrencies that does not happen when you write about eurozone government bonds or, or, or the stock market or anything else on the planet from what I can figure out. There's just this enormous, just enormous engagement from readers, which, which is great. And it's great to sort of start a debate and it's great to be part of a conversation. But some of it is pretty vitriolic, right? And you know, so you know, I wrote something recently about the um, the electricity usage of, of Bitcoin mining and just hundreds of comments. And somehow I found myself caught in an email chain, not an email chain, a tweet chain between Elon Musk and, and another kind of crypto god, Michael Saylor. And my Twitter was completely unusable for a week because it was just like this constant bombardment of people you know, harassing me and, and, you know, being rude to me and whatever. And I've got, a, I've got a thick skin. I, you know, I don't, I don't mind. People are going to do what they're going to do. But I think what this all tells you is that cryptocurrencies are not just a way to make a bit of money for people who, who are bored. And they're not just a way to kind of fight back against the monetary machine. For a lot of people, this is a way of life. It is a belief system and they, a lot of these people cannot handle any sort of criticism or pushback. And that just tells you that crypto is a really interesting social phenomenon apart from anything else. Well, let's explore this. Let's explore this social phenomenon, the idea that it's a way of life, the, the idea that it's, it's almost like a badge of identity. Like I am a crypto yeah. type and, and you're not. So let's, 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 let's tease that out a wee bit. Yeah. So, you know, crypto started out as this way to produce a unit of some sort of value that was completely separate from central banks. It's completely separate from governments. It's completely separate from the investment banks that we all know and predominantly do not love for their role in various crises through the years, including in 2008. So this is the kind of big rage against the machine effort to create a way of transacting money globally and of creating an asset with some sort of value that is separate from all that. And so it's kind of a counterculture in and of itself. And, you know, as with any counterculture, as with any kind of belief system, almost, there's an element of, you know, snakes eating their tail, right? They, they disagree with each other about a lot of stuff. Yeah. There are hundreds, there are thousands of these altcoins out there and each of them has kind of uh, their own separate sets of adherents i mean bitcoin is by far the biggest of the bunch but you know nonetheless there is this sort of narcissism of small differences there are differences between these coins and some people feel very strongly about those differences and they argue about stuff and also the crypto community for want of a better word is having a huge argument at the moment about the electricity consumption element of, of bitcoin mining there's a school of thought that it's totally fine. There's a school of thought that this is something that we have to fix. And, you know, they're sort of scrapping about it. But the the real divide in the crypto community is between the coiners and the no-coiners. It's between the believers and the non-believers, the people who are in crypto at any level and the people that aren't. And these two different sets of people are finding it very difficult to find common ground at the moment. They're talking completely across purposes a lot of the time. Um 
And, you know, not that it's a big deal, but journalists like me are kind of caught in the, the middle of it, trying to report on just the facts of what, what is going on. Um, yeah, we have quite an interesting insight into the uh, into this argument that, that's going on. I mean, it, it really is it really is something, you know, you know, colleagues of mine that, you know, on the rare occasions that they write about crypto, some of them, you know, this is kind of a not something they write about very often. They just get blown away by the response you get on Twitter and whatnot, by the by the true believers, by the adherents. It is just on a completely other level to any other market. So that that's one fascinating idea that it's it's culture, it's lifestyle, it's mm. an identity over and above what it is. Now let's go back to see what it is, right? So Bitcoin mm. was pottering around at let's say twenty dollars, then it went to you know yeah. twenty thousand dollars, and then it went to sixty thousand yeah. dollars. Now it's back to thirty five thousand dollars. What's your what is driving this up and down? What does the price mean? You know, yeah. talk to me. Yeah, what does the price mean is a good question. A lot of the time, it's kind of nothing. Um, so as you say, the price has been on 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 quite the ride these past few years. It like rattled up to about twenty thousand dollars in in two thousand seventeen. Then it crashed absolutely cratered, went down to like five or below. And then it kind of drifted higher over the next few years. And then at a certain point last year, everyone's in lockdown. A lot of a lot of people didn't have sports to bet on anymore. They were punting around in markets, whether it is, you know, meme stocks or cryptocurrencies or whatever it is. And the price just exploded. And you started to see more institutional involvement, more investment banks saying, okay, clients are asking us about this, maybe we'll offer some services. Some breakthrough moments for the price tend to revolve around Elon Musk, the the chief exec at at Tesla. Quite the character. You know, you never know what he's going to say next, but you do know where he's going to say it predominantly, which is on Twitter. And there's, there's a few things that he's done recently that have really sent the price going crazy. One of them is that in February, he said, first of all, I believe in, in Bitcoin so strongly that Tesla has amassed $1.5 billion worth in its corporate accounts. And secondly, he said, also, you're going to be able to pay for your Teslas in the US using Bitcoin. And this was kind of a moment, right, for a lot of the Bitcoin believers have been saying, yes, we've always said that Bitcoin is a proper currency. It's a way to buy stuff like any other fiat currency, like dollar, euro, whatever it is. This is part of its evolution into being a, a means for payment for things. And on that day that he that, that he made this commitment, the price added like 10% and went to what was then a record at about 55,000 bucks. And then it just kept motoring higher and higher and higher from there. And actually, where a lot of the the steam came out of this latest rally, some of that is because Musk had a change of heart a couple of weeks ago. And he said, actually, I don't think we should accept Bitcoin as as payment for, for Tesla's anymore because of the environmental element, because of all the energy that goes into mining Bitcoin. I don't feel like an environmentally damaging solution can be put you know can be part of this this new world of payments that we have we and we need to think again and 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 that really hurt the price but what also has hurt the price recently and it's gone down to about i think last time i checked it was about thirty seven thousand dollars is because the chinese authorities have really cracked down 
on on mining and on people using crypto to pay for things. And there is this sense that regulators everywhere are kind of circling crypto and thinking this is getting too big. We're not really sure about this. There's a lot of consumers getting sucked in here. And so the price has taken a, a, a turn for the worse. Now, sure, at 37,000 bucks, it's like over a thousand percent above where it was at the low after the last rally from 2017 you know you, you know i i definitely got it wrong in thinking that after two, 2017 this thing was done it was toast but it's really at a bit of a crossroads now in terms of the price so it's very clear to me with my economist hat on that this is not money it is something but it's not a currency right <laughs> it's something it's something but it's not it's a currency something. right it's an asset which has no stream of income at all coming from it and and no, no no promise ever of having a stream of income. This is not something like buying shares in Facebook many, many years ago off market if you got a chance to, because there was a potential stream of income coming down. Yeah. Right? This is the digital gold idea, right? Now, yeah. therefore, it has to be volatile. It cannot be anything but volatile because it's got nothing back in it except the yeah. mood of the day. It's worth as much as the next person will buy it off you for. It has some value, right? There is this, this notion of a proof of work concept that goes into the process of mining where you can demonstrate that your machines have solved a certain puzzle, they've produced a certain line of code, and that has a certain value to people who take that seriously. The best way that I've come across to understand what Bitcoin is is um, the German bank, Commerzbank, put out a, a note from its currency trading desk, uh, from, from its analysts there a couple of months ago saying, listen, this is why we don't pontificate about Bitcoin. This is why we don't make any price predictions about Bitcoin. Obviously, they were getting questions about it. Yeah. And they said, yes, it has some sort of value, but it has a value in the same way that vintage cars or wine or watches have value. That's the way to think about them. There is a community of people who love vintage cars and will spend loads of money on them. And there's the rest of us who are like, it's yeah. got wheels and it goes in a straight line. I don't get it. That's it. It's it's a it's a prestige item for a certain community of people. It has it does have a value because there's a large enough community of people who who value that. But does it have real world uses? Not not really. And does it have a whole bunch of risks in front of its price in terms of the regulatory response and other things. Yeah, definitely. And finally, it also has the potential to turn central banks against it. So if you think one of the great uh, adages yeah. in financial markets is don't bet against the Fed. You know, basically, when the people who print the real stuff, the dollars, the euros, yeah. and they have a vested interest in watching this from afar and say this is quirky and now I mean we spoke to Andy Haldane a couple of months ago and he said you know he said uh -huh. well, will, will, will central banks create their own type of parallel crypto yeah why not why, yeah, 100%. why why give the monopoly of this to some other crowd when that's our game yeah right what do you think happened you know what I mean like it's like it's like giving away your own your own stuff right this is our game we've been doing yeah. this for years don't be giving it to some yeah. crypto miners We'll do it ourselves. What do you think happens then when central banks say, okay, I've had enough of this, carry on? There's a whole load of central banks right now that are working on these central bank digital currencies, which, you know, essentially is, <laughs> it does what it says on the tin, they're controlled by the central banks. Um, so, for example, it might be a way for 
governments to put money in people's bank accounts in the event of some sort of pandemic or something yeah. and say this special sort of digital money you have to spend it within the next three months and then it disappears so it's a way that governments and central banks have to control digital money that is not currently available to them and, and is really interesting but yes yeah, so so china has got this underway the in the states the federal reserve says that it's that it's looking at it um lots of central banks are, are looking into how central bank digital currencies might work and this is one of the really big risks to crypto is that if the use case is speed of transfers or you know cross border transfers or or whatever it is a lot of these supposed benefits can just be wiped out at a stroke by a lot of a lot of a, official central bank digital currencies that's a big risk to them but it's not the only risk to crypto prices so a lot of regulators around the world are very worried about the consumers that are getting sucked in here there's a lot of quite sketchy ads kicking around on the internet promising untold riches to people who buy crypto that you know when you're in london there are ads all over the tube you know everywhere you go it's buy crypto buy crypto buy crypto and lots of regulators um are sort of stepping in here and saying you know what about the consumer protection angle even the advertising standards agency in the uk has stepped into on one ad and said you're making this look easier than it is in real life um and in the states the the sec the kind of you know main financial regulator over there they've got they've got a new guy in charge who is not to be messed with gary gensler and he has said you know we're, we're looking at whether consumers have got the right degree of protection here this is a big risk and and in addition like the, the european central bank has mentioned um at least a couple of times that it's looking at the environmental impact of crypto this is something that they're taking seriously in china one of the things that the people's bank of china is cracking down on is crypto mining you know there is just this vast amount of energy that goes into producing these coins that runs counter to what a lot of countries are trying to achieve with their carbon targets so there's a bunch of things that can go wrong but can we we finally just leave it on there's there's one thing that can go right for them which is if you believe that at its core, crypto is a digital gold and scarcity yeah. will prevent. And you believe that the world is embarking on MMT, it's embarking mm-hmm. on hyper QE, it's embarking on basically a monetary solution, which is let's just print as much as we can, let's issue as much debt as we can, let's try and spend our way out of this crisis. That you're thinking as a crypto person on the believer side, well, then. I'm kind of in the right that history is on my side, that large currencies could well collapse uh, in an inflationary inferno, and I will have, I'll be sitting on my Bitcoin, and I will be not only wealthy, but I will be able to buy all sorts of real stuff with this fantastically mm. secure asset that I have. To what extent is in, I mean, that is the narrative that most of them believe? That is the narrative that a lot of them believe. I, I would argue that, you know, in the event that there is some sort of global collapse in currencies which is a little bit of a difficult thing to get your head around you know owning crypto probably isn't going to be the answer if the entire banking system has collapsed then your ability to go to the shop and buy a pint of milk with you know a tiny fraction of a bitcoin is going to be constrained i would suggest um so <laughs> look th- there definitely is an argument that you could get rich off this and when the value of certain other assets collapses perhaps bitcoin or other cryptos will 
proved to be more resilient. There is also definitely a possibility that the, the crypto market can get around this, this carbon problem that it has by shifting the way that the coins are produced, moving away from this proof of work model where computers like fire puzzles at each other until one of them solves them and wins a coin towards a proof of stake model, which is much lighter on the energy intensity. There, there, are, there are coins that are already working on moving towards that model. If that's the case, then that will take out one of the big kind of um, one of the big hurdles for crypto. So, you know, I think it's it's become too big to kill. I think I think central banks accept that now. I think it's going to kick around. I think it will retain a certain value. Whatever the next person is prepared to pay you for it, that that will be the value yeah. that you know that's embedded in it. But does that mean that it makes sense to hold it? I mean, it, it really depends on whether you are in or out of that belief system that tells you that this makes sense. And once you're in that club, once you believe that it makes sense, once you believe that it's the future, then everything else is worth it. The carbon intensity is worth it. The, you know, the way that, that crypto is wrapped up with, you know, illicit activity like hacking. You know, you'll notice every time a big organization gets hacked, the ransom is always Bitcoin, please. And that's also that's also a problem for crypto. Yeah, no, our, our HSC was hacked the other day. Exactly. Our health service was hacked the other day. And of course, the ransom was. Bitcoin. Mm. Yeah. John paid it all out of his account. I did, yeah. 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 It's all sorted. <laughs> and he got two Pfizer jabs and AstraZeneca. I, I sorted it all out, Mac. Don't worry right, about okay, it. Okay, okay. And you're COVID free. <laughs> I'm COVID free. Brilliant. All right, Katie. We'll leave, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much. Thanks for so, having me. Not at all. Talk to you soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You know, looking at the other side of Bitcoin today compared to Tuesday, it does seem that like Bitcoin is so much more than just either an asset or a currency or whatever way you want to describe it. It's it's a lot deeper than that. It's more cultural in many it ways. It is cultural. It is cultural. And it goes to, I think, two or three, there's two or three fascinating roots in it, right? You know my mm. interest in monetary history and all that malarkey. Yeah, yeah. But there always has been a conflict 
at the source of money, about who controls it. And there's always been a fear that in the wrong hands, money, like, for example, the dollar or the euro, can profoundly unsettle a society. And therefore, there always are people who say, we are going to actually create an insurance policy against that. I mean, yeah. I mean, the mad thing is, we forget that Hitler figured out the power of money profoundly, right? How so? In fact, I tell you, it was actually Lenin said, Vladimir Lenin, yeah. right? not John. He said, nothing so undermines a society as debasing their currency or debauching their currency. So Lenin understood what the Bitcoiners are f- afraid of, right. which is inflation. Yeah. And Hitler took it one better. You know, Hitler had a huge operation called Operation Barnard, or Bernard, right? Right. And it was an operation to drop banknotes, sterling notes, into the UK and debase sterling during the Second World War. And this forged banknotes, forged, obviously. Forged, yeah. yeah. And in actual fact, the concentration camp Ravensbrück, which is a concentration camp, became right. the epicenter of a forgery operation by the Nazis. To really? drop, yeah, this is a huge, huge story, right? And what they were got, they wanted to do is they wanted to undermine the British war effort, right? By creating inflation within Britain by dropping these banknotes into the UK, that this would undermine. British inflation would undermine sterling and this would confuse the British population so much that they would rise up against the British government or would be part of the destabilization right. force. So what you have is like you've many, many historical examples of people using money to engineer instability. But clearly that didn't work or did, they didn't follow through or what happened it, it's, there? A, it's an amazing story. The banknotes ended up being buried in the side of a lake in Austria at the very end of the Second World War, what actually happened... Now, this is this is how right. mad the Nazis were, right? So they, they got... And again, it's the whole thing. They went into Auschwitz, they went to all these places, and they got typically... Uh, they found workers, Jewish, non-Jewish, who went in and became... They were printers, so they looked for printers. Right. Because the core of counterfeiting is a printer. Of course. Right? You have yeah, to be a printer. Yeah. And artists and whatever. And, of course, they spent an enormous amount of time and effort in printing these sterling banknotes. Sterling is a very hard currency to forge, right? Mm. One of the hardest currencies to forge. But then, of course, the Nazis being such corrupt characters, figured out that what was actually happening between 1942, 1943, 1944 were these massive shortages of everything in Europe, right? And the Nazi currency was worthless, the German currency, the German Reichmark. But so they just started, they started, Uh, the Nazis started buying counterfeit stuff with counterfeit stuff, right? <laughs> so rather than actually... So Hitler organised the whole thing, but of yeah. course Hitler was losing his power. Yeah. So the average Nazi dude who was overseeing, the average SS dude yeah. who was overseeing, like, ooh, I've got a million quid here, was taking the million yeah. quid and buying art with it. And then, amazingly, you know what they bought? The Nazis bought their passage out of Europe at the end, counterfeited sterling, which they traded with black... To Mar- South America and stuff. They traded with black marketeers to pay the black marketeers who are also paying the Vatican and the Catholic Church to open that. If you ever look at the, uh, there's a great podcast called The Rat Line by Philippe yes. Sands. Yeah. Very worth it. Yeah. So what happened was the Nazis. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no, it's true, but they spent a whole time. But it comes back to this. And anyway, at the end, yeah. what happened was most of the Nazis, because the Russians were coming in Northern Germany, the Americans were coming in Western Germany. The only part of the German Reich that was unmolested 
by foreigners was that part in southern Czechoslovakia and Austria. Yeah. So all the loot ended up in these parts of Austria. Part of the loot was boxes of currency. Wow. Which the Nazis... Wow, actually, that's yeah, amazing it's, story. An, it's a great story, right? But when it comes back to this idea, not that Bitcoiners are Nazis, but no, <laughs> no. It comes back to this idea that once you destabilize the currency, it leads to all sorts of weird reactions. Yeah. And yeah. Bitcoin is one of those reactions. But the other reaction I find fascinating is uh, it's a youth phenomenon. It's a phenomenon of the youth, Bitcoin. Right. So if you talk to younger people, many of them, I'm talking in their late teens, early 20s, will ask me about crypto. What do you think of crypto? Right. They're more open to it. They're more open to it. And it's because their world is a sort of a crypto world. Like if you look, it's, you know, crypto, Bitcoin starts in 2008. Mm. The iPhone, the first iPhone was launched in 2007. Yeah. Okay. Facebook really becomes a thing in the late noughties, like yeah. 2008. SpaceX, Elon Musk company is a 2008 company. Yeah. And for our generation, 2008 signals the end of something. It's the end of the Celtic tiger. It's the collapse of the housing market. It's yeah. the collapse of the banks. It's the onset of a recession. It's the end of the good times, Right. As Tommy Tiernan always yeah. said, I love this, is they keep saying we spent too much money in the good times. And Tommy says, they were the fucking good times. That's why you spend money in the good times. Right? So for it's our so generation, it's great, isn't it? You know? uh, so for our generation, 2008 is the end of something big. Yes. But for the younger generation, it's the beginning of something. It's the start of something big. It's the start of their world. It's the yeah. start of the iPhone. Therefore, it's the start of the app culture. Therefore, it's the start of WhatsApp. Therefore, it's yeah. the start of all these sort of things. The digital world. The whole digital world. So in a way, that's the moment. 2008 is the event. It's the year everything changes and for do, the better. Do you know what? That's also the year the podcast took off. Because of the iPhone. Because of the iPhone. Because all of a sudden, podcasts became mobile. Exactly. And then that just gave it a huge boost. And well, that's probably the best thing that ever came out. Absolutely, John. Absolutely. It was certainly the best thing ever happened to you and me. But listen, so that's the idea that Spotify launches in 2008. So if you go back, 2008 right. is a pivotal, pivotal, pivotal year from Spotify to Bitcoin to SpaceX to podcasting to the iPhone, yeah, all yeah. these things. So the generation that lived before 2008 has one relationship with lots of things, including money. And the generation that came of age in 2008 as children, but have actually been living in the shadow of 2008, we would say the shadow of 2008, they would say in the glory of 2008, they have a totally different attitude to money. They do. To crypto, to technology, to the institutions that we regard as essential, like central banks and governments and yada, yada. They have a much looser, much more... It's like a brave new world attitude. But it's but it's also a very obvious difference. Yeah. yeah and, and it puts me in mind of Neil Howe, who speaks of this kind of handover from generation to generation. Yeah. And that seems to be a really kind of key, stark handover it's, point. Yeah, exactly. So it's the whole idea that history cannot be seen, or contemporary even analysis, cannot be seen in the context of one event having the same impact on generations. Mm. So you just think that's a great example, 2008. 2008 for our generation is an apocalyptic year, right? Yeah. For the generation coming behind us, it's a baptismal year. It's a new year. It's a fantastic year. And so their 
relationship with technology, of which Bitcoin is part of, is profoundly different to our relationship with technology. And one of the problems, and I'm always aware of it on the podcast, is that we've got to see the world not through our generational lens, not only through their generational lens, but through a blended generational lens to say, to explain why Bitcoin is a thing. It's a thing because the generation coming behind us and coming behind them yeah. have a profoundly different relationship, A, with technology, but also B, with the institutions of the state. And if we want to understand them, we've got to appreciate that they're starting at a totally different point. To all you Patreons out there, thank you so much for supporting us. We couldn't do this without your support. It means a huge amount to us. Also, all your feedback, your suggestions, your comments, our comments to you, our replies to you, really is the essence of the whole thing. So, again, thank you very much. And for all of you who might want to support us, check us out. Patreon.com forward slash David Mike Williams.